Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Toshi Regan, we have reached the end. We have reached the last chapter of the parable oh of the God. sower. How does it feel? It feels wonderful. God has changed. God has changed. We really freaking did this changed. thing. And I think it's basically been almost exactly a year of the recording process. Like we are back in December, oh which goodness. is when we when we did the first episodes. What a you know freaking what? year it's been. <laughs> it's been a year. Yeah. And if if we weren't in COVID times, I would fly back to Detroit and be with you. Yes, you would. And do this together. I would. Do I this would. together I... over tea. That's what I want over tea. every time. <laughs> I'm yes. so spoiled. Um, yeah. I want what I want and COVID does not. So hi, everybody <laughs> else who's listening. This is Adrian Marie Brown. This is Toshi Regan. And you are listening to Octavia's Parables. Um, and we are at Chapter 25. And we just wanted... Uh, to make a few announcements before we jump into this, this situation. So, you know, we've been unveiling members of the Octavia Butler tarot deck team. And today I wanted to highlight a few people who have been supporting uh, behind the scenes. So first I want to highlight my dear friend, Sophia Santana. It's actually her birthday, the day that we're recording this. And she um, helped us on the admin uh, for like the first six months of this project, like having admin support. And then Yashna is coming on to help us finish it, finish the project. And I've known Yashna for years as well through the generative somatics community. She is an incredible yogi who also happens to be an incredible organizer, um, did a lot of that work through the National Domestic Workers Alliance, and now is bringing all that wisdom and organization to us. And then I also want to uplift B. Steadwell. Um, you will see the flyers for the deck coming out soon and B um, really, really put a whole foot into the design of those flyers. Like when we saw them, we gassed and I hope you will as well. B is awesome. B is so awesome. Like I really Yo, love B. <laughs> can we uplift B's uh, other, yes. other skills? B does you everything. Know. So B is a singer. B like makes a loop machine into like a magic dream scenario. Yes. B is an incredible live performer, a video maker, filmmaker, graphic designer. B like, I, I can't think of what B doesn't do. They just do it. He is amazing. And these <laughs> music, these music is so all over Bandcamp. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and it's it's on Bandcamp, and it's sexy. It's like yeah. if you want a sexy soundtrack, you should just put B. Steadwell on. Any announcements from you, Toshi? Yeah, I'm going to continue uplifting um, B. Steadwell. I'm just pat, just taking yeah. it on as one of my dearest friends, <laughs> and um, also a part of the Parable family has participated with us on a show we did in Philly. Oh, I love um, that. For a gala with the Kemal. Just one of my favorite collaborators. So And B also did the flyers for this, you know, like if yes. you've seen the flyers with she Chris's made them art beautiful. on it. Yeah. Yeah. She is she is so incredible. And then uh wanna keep uplifting uh, my collaboration with uh Alexis Pauline Gums and the uh, Yes, the the music of the Marine Mammal Meditations, and that will probably be out by the time you all are listening to this. So check that out. Uh, hopefully my recording will be out. Beautiful world. Check that out. Yay. And 
And um, we definitely will be heading into Parable of the Talents. Do we want to um, yeah. shout out that date? Yeah. So that we're aiming for. We are aiming to be back with you all by February 22nd with the beginning of the Parable of the Talents. So we're going to take two months, rest our voices, rest our minds, rest our hearts, and then dive right back in. And, and we'll keep it going at the same pace, a chapter a week through the talents. And the talents are, yeah, you where there's a lot to look forward to. This this book keeps opening, keeps deepening. Um, so, yeah. Yay. Yeah. It is really, really, I'm really looking forward to investigating uh, the Parable of the Talents novel. And I think it is good company during this time mm-hmm. as we navigate this path that we've we've been having ourselves and oh, yeah. the victory of, of how important it was to change administrations at our government level. Yeah. Um, but and and the journey and, and, continues and. and deepens significantly for us. Um, it's so interesting so. to be going back and reading. What I'm realizing is that a lot of the parts that I teach from the most often are actually in the parable of the talents. And so I'm very, very excited to get into that because that feels like the pod life. <laughs> it's like, this is it what is it's like to be life. in the pod life. This is what it is to be trying to figure out organizing technologies for modern times and all that. So, And this is also the... Uh, the swirliness of what you thought you 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 did that isn't done. Yep, that's right. <laughs> and you're that's like, right. I did that. We did that, and then you're like, oh wait, no, yeah, it's no. not done. It's, it's not done at all. No, this is the this is in you know it's eclipse season. Also, we're in eclipse season yes. right now, and I feel like the the parable of the talents is an eclipse narrative. You know, it's everything yeah. from the past, everything in the shadows, coming back around. So. Hello, beloved listeners. Um, This is a couple of updated announcements that we wanted to make sure you have for this last show of the year. The first is Toshi and I decided to do an Instagram Live on December 16th. December 16th, you'll be able to find us on the internet, on Instagram, at my Instagram, adriamariebrown.nothing. It's on Instagram. (laughs) Adrian Marie Brown. And um, we're going to start at 6 p.m. Eastern, probably go for an hour, maybe 90 minutes, but it'll just be a live conversation about this year of doing the parables, what we've learned. Time for Q&A with you all. So join us there. That again is going to be on December 16th at 6 p.m. And then we also want to let you know about a couple of other delicious things that just happened. Our beloved friend Alexis Pauling Gums of the Octavia Butler Larger Family is opening the God is Change Immersion. So this is something you'll be able to do during this break, and we really think that you should check it out. So um, Alexis Pauline, again on Instagram, you'll be able to find anything there that she's doing. And then we wanted to congratulate um, the folks who got the Creative Capital Grant for their Earthseed project. Um, We just think that's so fantastic, and we're really excited for you. Um, And yeah, hope to hear kind of what emerges from that as we go forward. People's Kitchen Collective, and you can look at peopleskitchencollective.com to learn more about them. But they got a grant to do a whole project uh, around Earthseed and um, they seem excited. 
I'm excited. I'm looking at it now. Jocelyn Jackson, Sita Koratomi Baumik, and Saqib Kaval. Um, and a bunch of other folks are in there too. So congratulations to all of you. But yeah. All right. I think that's all the announcements. And we love y'all. Um, so that's what you have to look forward to in the two zero and the two one. All right. But mm-hmm. right now we are still in 2020 living in the future and we are reading chapter 25, chapter 25. And Toshi, can you bring us into the earth seed? Create no images of God, mm. except the images that God has provided. They are everywhere mm. in everything. God is change seed to tree tree to forest, rain to river, river to sea, grubs to bees, bees to swarm, from one, many, from many, one, forever, uniting, growing, dissolving, forever, changing. The universe is God's self-portrait. Yeah, earth seed, the books of the living. Friday, October 1st. 2027. I, the universe is God's self-portrait is one of my favorite things that's ever been written or understood. You know, I think it's beautiful at the level of the bones, the words, and it's beautiful at the level of the concept, the ether. It's just beautiful to me. So I love how you deliver that. And yeah, we have landed on Bacoli's land. We are, we are finally at a destination. You give us a yeah. sense of what's happening as they arrive. Yeah, and maybe we can just talk through it because, mm-hmm. you know, really they arrive on the land and it's it's beautiful and magnificent and wild. And there is supposed to be these um, building structures and there's supposed to be people. Ben Coley's family is supposed to be there and they are not. And they find... Uh, the skeletons of of people in the ashes of burned down um, structures. Yeah. And there is an assumption that that is um, Ben Coley's sister and her family and children. Yeah. And, and, you know, I did some research a few years ago for a novel that I'm working on about mm-hmm. how long it takes for a body to just be bones. You mm-hmm. know, like if you come through fire, if you... If you're in the water, just like it takes a long time. It takes um, a long time. So it takes a very, very long time. And so the the kind of unique grief that is available to Bancoli in this this moment feels distinct, right? Everyone else is dealing with things that are happening right in this moment. And he's discovering that maybe these people he loved have been gone a very long time. Yeah. yeah. And that really meets him at a particular place because he made a decision. He made a decision to walk. Yeah. And, you know, he actually could have afforded to fly. He yeah. wouldn't have as much money on the back end. And yeah. I think he was he was thinking forward. They're going to be okay. I'll get there when I get there. And we're going to have all this money. And we can keep going from there. And I'm sure he is, he is feeling a particular <sighs> kind of pain mm-hmm. for, you know, for, for what he's, his decisions, even though there is no guarantees in that. And, and who knows what have, what would have happened, but you're right. It's, it's Mm -hmm. uniquely painful. They arrived there. And so it's not 
what they thought it would be. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're pretty much like living their life the way they have been on finding a place, being careful, being unseen, and learning learning the the land that they're in, yeah. um, that they're on. And I I wonder about this, what it must have been like for them to just be staying someplace. Yes. Like not getting up exactly. and getting exactly. the walk. It almost feels like they're in a that that they're having a complicated state of decompression and yeah. anxiety and yeah. like all of the and things. And they're also just getting to have conversations that they maybe wouldn't get to because there's not an end. They don't have to get up and like start to walk. Exactly. And the, all of that complication is is surfacing as they discover the land and try to decide um, what they're going to do. But the first things first is Bancoli wants to know what happened to his family. Yeah. Yeah. And this is very, very interesting because um, Bancoli and Harry walk into town and it's Bancoli's intention to ask the police yes. about what has happened and yeah. if they have information and if they can look yep. and see. And Harry's like, going shopping yeah, <laughs> to, yeah. to get some goods. Yeah. Okay. Right there I thought that was really interesting that they they didn't go together. Yeah. Um, you know, Harry being white and Ben Coley being black and and just police being police. Yeah. And yep. police are more just just, you know, I just have to shout out the defund police movement that's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because and I, it shows up presently here. Exactly. It shows up. It shows up. And I have to shout it out because people, you know, lots of people get triggered by the word defund the the, the words defund the police. Mm -hmm. And and um, and, you know, there's so much nuance into that conversation. Mm -hmm. But it could. What's a word for pulling out of humans the desire to criminalize everything that. Uh, they see other people do, especially people that are not like them. And what is the, you know, how do we pull the overseer? Yes. You know, the slave catcher, the overseer, yes. the the brutalizer humans. How do we pull that out of of what we call policing? That's right. Because it is just the open market for abuse. It is. And you can't, there's no other place where we are except a level of of like horrific beha- systemic behavior and then point out but that that's there's some good people in it because right. it's it's not possible right well <laughs> and i think i think something that's really fascinating is like the police are the microcosm of the nation right they're the mm-hmm. microcosm of the nation and so it's in as much as like i believe i am a good person i'm still guilty because I pay taxes into a system that I know causes harm right. by policing people all around the world and within this country. And I feel similarly about the microcosm of the policing of the carceral system, right? It's like right. you might be in there thinking you're a good person, but you are actively complicit in a harmful system. And if you're not upending that system all the time, <laughs> what are you doing? And I think that this this moment in the story is so indicative of the debate around policing, because yes. what's what you know when we look to policing, what the, you know, uh, what those who have privilege see 
in the cops is a place for care, a place for protection, someone to remove the harm, um, someone to take responsibility for the safety. And what you, if you are not privileged, if you are black, if you're an immigrant, if you're someone who's poor, if you're someone who is um, indigent, you you get the other experience where it's like the what you see from the cops is that corruption, that unfairness, mm-hmm. that dishonesty, and that violence. And those two can't coexist in the same system. It can't be the same thing. So it's then so much of the work we're doing right now is pulling back the veil of like, yes, we want care and protection and safety, but it doesn't come from this structure. It doesn't come from this structure, no matter how often you walk into the office and ask for help or, you know, try to approach with the eyes of care. And I feel like that's what happens here with Bancole is that he's like, I want care. I want to know if anyone cared about what happened to my family. Yes. All of that. And um, And Harry's like, I just want a job. (laughs) I need a job. (laughs) Harry's, I want a job. Mm -hmm. I want, yeah, me, me, me. Beautiful Harry, mm-hmm. and it's it is really complicated as it as it it really signals that you know all of us can dive behind what the the phrases are and like go to the complexity of yeah. what we're actually trying to achieve because it is complex and it is deep and it will take time and if we stop because oh they use the word defund the police and now I'm worried there will be no police like if we if that's the, if you can't get past. Right. That, that we're actually asking for something very, very deep and complex and transformative, then yeah. you, then we won't get very far. We and need also people. well thought out. Yes, <laughs> you it's know? well thought out. It's well thought out. It's like when people say, when leaders who have thought about this for forever think, you know, say defund the police out loud, they have answers for that. Well, what about, yes, we've got, we've thought about all that. Right. Yeah. We're talking about mental health institutions. We're talking about social work and social support and education and mediators. We're talking yeah. about all of those things. You know, we, we've thought yeah. through what about the pedophile? What about the murderer? What about the serial rapist? Like We've thought through like yeah. each of those are extreme points in these systems of harm. And we're trying to break the whole system of harm. And we thought yes. it through, you know, I think that that part is so important. I'm like, we're not just out here like chaos, you know, I was like, no, bitch. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think also it's it's just to recognize, mm. you know, all of us can use, uh, can understand why is it so hard to have an element of discipline and policing? Yes. Why can almost anything happen? And it's just very hard to say actually that was not policing that's not even the rules that's yes. not even what you should do that's that's like actually against your own rules why yeah. is it so hard to discipline and pull people off the force who don't need to be there it's all, it's yes. it's amazing to me how many individual people inside of our structures get so much support so much institutional support how many individual police who have done everything horrible and mm. The city, we have to pay out mm-hmm. that from their mm-hmm. harm, and they're still on the police force. Like these, yeah. are, these are things that lead to a possible future where you know something terrible happens, and Van Coley walks into the police station and is like, "Look, you know, somebody burned these things, killed my family. I want to know something." And they they take Van Coley's money. Yep. Yeah, like they, they exactly. he was in so much danger. 
actually walking into the station and asking for help. And police um, in that time uh, also become the people who will sell other people. Yes, absolutely. So his danger was... Which is a full circle, you know, full circle for that role, right? Since yeah. that role in this country... That's where it started. <laughs> ...comes from the slave owners <laughs> and the slave catchers. So absolutely. Yep. And I think that piece around the fees for services, that so they're like... You know, not only we do do we not have answers for you, but we are still going to charge you for the non-help. You know, which yeah. is so much of what happens. It's like we will harm you, and we'll charge you for that, and we will not come we'll when you need you us, and that. we'll charge you for that. And uh, and we'll let you know. Yeah. We'll let you know that you're in danger just by being here. And you know, this leads to a really, mm-hmm. um, you know, conversation between him and Lauren around, you know. Like, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. and the desire. And she says this thing, which is so interesting, because I think I'm, am I older than Van Coley or a little younger than Van Coley? And I'm a little younger than Van Coley. A little <laughs> no, younger, darling, I think. I might actually be older than him because he's he's four years in the future. So I'm like maybe a couple of years older oh, than him. Oh, I see what you yeah. mean. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you so doing math. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm through math. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, come through math. So um, anyway, Lauren is like, what is it about? Like, what does he trust at his his age? How does he have trust in this system? Like Lauren has none, just mm-hmm. zero. She has never seen anything positive happen with policing in her entire life, in her That's entire right. 18 years. Um, ben Coley at 58. Um, he's He has, has he had some experiences that make him think, you know what, this is a, a place to go, or is he just so wounded and without answers that he feels he has to try everything? Uh, it's so interesting, this generational conversation. I think it's, yeah, it's generational, and it also feels to me like what happens in duress. You know, I feel like I've been in multiple conversations this past year with people who are like, yeah, I don't believe in the police, but then this thing happened. And yeah. that was still the only option I could think of, of how to handle it. Um, yeah. You know, and just, just noticing that we are on that edge between the old and the new ways of being. And there's things that we have the ideas around, but we don't have the lived practice yet. You know, we don't have the structures yeah. in place yet for people to be like, I could actually call on that. <laughs> like yeah. I could count on that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need to, and sometimes you do. You have to test your system and say, you know what, this situation is is um, beyond what I can handle or it needs to actually move through a system. You know, I had yeah. to call like the Department of Housing for an issue in my apartment. Yeah. And I, um, a man showed up unannounced, no, no anything. Nope. And was like, I'm from the Department of Housing. No. <laughs> Come look at your Get apartment. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> it was so scary so it's it's you know sometimes you have to use the systems you have and and be a really good negotiator and follow through person and navigator with the support you know of of your own systems because this is what is what is there yeah and there's so many good conversations happening in this chapter you know i feel like so they're many. having the cop conversation but also the fundamental apocalypse question, do we stay or do we go? This is this is it. And in that conversation, they are discovering the land. So exactly. on the land, they have these nut trees and there's a garden and there's all of the, 
you know, they have all of the things mm -hmm. that they could, they need to survive. They find a well. Ben Coley goes, goes hunting and, and, you know, kills some rabbits and they have some meat. Like, yes. it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's an incredible place, but that is a, a really like staying becomes a big issue. Yeah. And, you know, as you read the book, you're like, just want to get some place where you can hunker down and like start to do something. Yeah. And that actually is as challenging as anything else right. for all of these people. Because I think it's also, it shows the idea of like, well, when we were on the road, we lived one way, but we really expected mm -hmm. to land someplace where that wouldn't have to be how we continued. And this place is like, it is, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to keep living off and with the land, which I love that for Octavia, that she doesn't have us pull up to like the Hyatt Regency. And she's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, at least we have this. It's like, no, you have the land. The land is yeah. what you have. And is it the safe? Can you keep you it have. safe? Can you keep each other safe? What do you know about this area? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, I really do love that. And I, and I do, I also am just thinking about, you know, People have done hard work in, in movements that have lasted for a number of years, like mm -hmm. looking at the civil rights movement and um, some of my, my parents and, you know, my, my aunts and uncles of the movement and seeing how difficult. I think we even talked about this earlier mm -hmm. on a chapter, like how difficult it is to settle down and and just be like, OK, I now I'm going to reshape mm -hmm. my participation in this direction yeah and how some people never could quiet the adrenaline of always being in, in motion always being mm -hmm. on the front line mm -hmm. always being in a crisis you know always risking their lives in a particular kind of way yeah that that you know that was difficult like my mom was like I got kids I I, I gotta go back to college yeah. I can still practice my movement practice and you know, settle and go to school and, exactly. and well, because you see that it's it like out. there's the humanity of what drives our decisions, like what mm. actually drives our decisions. And I love what Octavia shows us in terms of what drive some of their decisions in this. You know, there it's like for Lauren, she sees the possibility of this space. For Bancoli, it's like this is the land that he knows and loves mm. and considers home but like for Allie she's like mm, what seeds do you have <laughs> because I need yeah. to understand like if we're going to be growing and potentially like surviving and living here you know Harry's like I don't understand like for Harry it's kind of like I really <laughs> like I really see y'all as idealistic thinking you're going to live off this land I'm looking for a job I'm trying to figure out how we're going to get money yeah. and I just think yeah. it's so fascinating to have the white man in the group as the one who's holding that as the like primary concern. Yes. And there's this really deep moment where Emery, Emery's like, well, you could get a job as a driver up North. And he, Harry initially hears that as like a truck driver. Right. But what she actually right. is talking about is a slave driver. And mm -hmm. then she's like, Oh, you could get that job um, if you wanted to. And Harry is like, of course, horrified. Right. He's like, I didn't even want to go to all of our, I don't want anything to do with anything That's like right. that. Um, but I just, you know, that part always stands out to me that I'm like, in this world, with these conditions, if you want a job, it's likely going to be some form of oppression. And here's what 
here's what you can do. You know? And you're you're privileged because you're white and mm-hmm. you can you have access. They really like white drivers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's and she's like, Yeah, the the guy who who our driver, he was a computer guy. Like that was his gig. And then he's basically an overseer making sure everybody does the work they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and you see that web of stealing humans, putting humans into, you know, situations that they can't ever, ever attain their own independence. Yeah. And the intense um, investment in a system that says, like, even though that system's just been super exploitive, it's almost its entire existence. Yeah. It is a system. And Harry's like, no, oh, I, I want to work hard yeah. and then get paid some money. And mm-hmm. even though he's had the experience of walking through multiple towns where people have been like, nobody's getting getting um, anything for money. Like no. you can work hard and have a place to sleep and get a meal. Yes. But you can't you can't get nobody trying to help you be an independent human on the planet right That's now. Right. That's in this right. country, so it is. It is his his thing mm-hmm. that he really, really wants. So uh, I also love Zara because Zara is the person who's like, <laughs> no, it can. It's possible. It's like this possible. can happen. And by the time they're asked, like you know, Lauren is like, we need to. We you know, basically, Lauren gets. To, <laughs> I love her because she gets the points, and then she's like, are you staying? Or are yes, you going? Call it. Let's call it. Yeah, call it. Let's call it. And. Zara, you know, Zara's like, yeah, we, we stay. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, you exactly. ain't going nowhere. And I love that moment. There's a moment where Travis is like, you know, <laughs> basically like, Lauren, you're crazy, but it might be the kind of crazy we need right now. Yeah. Um, you know, crazy enough to believe that we can survive this way. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, and Emery, it's so interesting how Emery's energy, she's, a wealth of knowledge. Yes. Like she's just incredible. She understands all of the places and systems and, you know, talk about loss and grief and how hard she must have worked to get to a place where she could get somewhere else. And yes. she retains, you know, kind of this like level of of appreciation and this level of, of understanding what you know, understanding what's in her hands constantly, like from from the most horrific thing, like this man just grabbed my child. Yes. And so what's in my hands right now is I need to scratch this man's eyes out yes. so I can get my child back. Yep. And, you know, I need to work in collaboration with these children who are screaming and they're going to alert the group. Yep. And I am not going anywhere until my baby is back yep. to, you know, in this horrible way i have the first money i've ever had in my life yes. and i am going to be generous and celebrate yes this immense like she must have felt really simultaneously like i'm sorry and simultaneously like thank you for this gift of this money because now mm-hmm. i'm going to buy like persimmons and what like you could have bought an apple i'm buying persimmons yes. <laughs> and oh. you're like the best fruit and the best nuts Absolutely. and the best Everything which is still available. Uh, Octavia reminds us mm-hmm. that the class issue is in full effect. Yes. And that, you know, what can be av- available is for if you have the money for it. And I think the uh, the next thing I think is about the deep breath of realizing for Ben Coley that his people that 
you know, nobody's going to come and give him some answers and maybe he just yeah. will have to tend to that for a little while. But, you know, Lauren is like, we're going to bury your people mm-hmm. like this is going to happen. And he gets this um, Natividad has this beautiful, beautiful shawl and she she wraps the bones in it and a ceremony is going to happen. In the expansiveness of of this conversation, you know, Lauren asked him, like, should we, should, is it okay if they have company? Mm-hmm. And it's the realization that they all have lost so much. They all have lost people. Yes. They all have unanswered questions about where people are. They They just have had to deal with it and get somewhere. And what does it mean for all of them to have a moment to acknowledge and um and say what they need to say in ceremony mm. of um mm. of their people. I absolutely love that this becomes the center of how they begin to structure this this place is first we lay these bones in the ground and then we bury acorns around them to grow live oak trees to create an oak tree stand that can become the place where we will honor them and continue to visit them. And I love that for Lauren, it's like every single person here needs to speak. Every single person here needs to offer their voice, their breath, their blessing on this, even the two children. So yeah, I think this is a really tender and crucial scene that in a, in a major way unveils like this, this is the heart of this group. They grieve and they live. They grieve and they live. They grieve and they live. Um, and, you know, another one of the beautiful conversations that's happening in this one is with Bancoli and Lauren talking about the country. Like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this, this, you know, Bancoli is like, this country's not, <laughs> like, this country is basically not going to last. It's not going to work that, you know, what used to be seen as state lines are now like militarized borders. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a, there. you know, I love, I always love when it reaches this point because this is kind of how I feel now. <laughs> I'm already a post-nationalist because yeah. I'm like, there isn't enough holding us together as a functional experiment, social experiment. And they're further into that, you know, further into that yeah. journey. I, I feel you. I mean, it's really interesting. This election was, you know, such a, a great I don't know, a great thing to be a part of it. I think I I really wish that all of the circumstances were different. But I think um, I learned so much about the political system that we have and the governing systems that we have. And that, you know, even with was a hundred over 150 million people yes. voted. Yes. And that it's still, you know, not as not not the whole country, but so many more, so that you have, you know, two different candidates break the record for the most any candidate has ever ever received before. But it is the it is the the brokenness is in this system was super revealed and how hard we had to work to make sure that we won over um, the tyrant in office and but not be able to transform enough people who have been aligned with him. So, so many people still oh, yeah. have jobs. 
And we cannot forget like how, you know, I don't know, people are like, well, we could take a deep breath. And I'm like, yes, take a deep breath so that you might invigorate your system (laughs) so that (laughs) not a deep breath so you can go to sleep but deep breath so you can invigorate Invigorate. your system a lot of work to do it's so much work hey georgia shout out to all y'all in georgia let's support georgia in this senate race we really need to um dampen down and on multiple spectrums of existence the (laughs) power (laughs) the power of mitch mcconnell like use everything because yeah he was the he was the one that I think I find him even more dangerous. So, yeah, I think I read somewhere. I think actually AOC did a interview for Vanity Fair and she talks about that, that like 45 is like has a vision for stuff. But Mitch McConnell is the one who actually operationalizes it all and how dangerous it is. You know, it's like he's the one who actually makes these things possible. And yeah. I do think I do think at every scale we can imagine there is massive work to do. Um, Because it's like, okay, now we have won the territory in which to create new conditions, but we have to actually work on those new conditions and figure out the right balance of accountability and invitation. And I think this piece, we also have to figure out like how we grieve. How do we grieve Mm. what was, you know, how do we grieve the idea of nation, but also how do we grieve all the people who have been lost in the falling apart of nation and it feels like, you know, Bancoli and Lauren have very different perspectives on how much is changing, right? Like, I think that that's part of age too, is mm-hmm. you live longer, you know, you're in your 60s and you look and you're like, wow, <laughs> like everything has changed and drastically. And for Lauren, nice. you know, she's she's living inside of the condition she's mostly been in. Like, this is the drastic first change of her life. And, you know, I would love maybe I'll write a fan fiction someday of just like Boncole's whole story, <laughs> you know, cause I'm like, yeah. I want to know, you know, like he lived through what we're in and yes. in a way that Lauren didn't. And so, yeah. Yeah. We get to hear from, from him a little bit mm-hmm. in Parable of the Talents, mm-hmm. a little bit of his, his sense of, of the arc of, of time. Yes. Yeah. Woo. And I love their debate around God has changed. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because it's like you just kind of think you, you believe in something, but you believe in the person who yes. created it. You you can't necessarily just go yep. with all the things that they say. And, <laughs> you know, he he's just like, you know, he's kind of giving it a chuckle. And she's like, she does not like when he laughs at her when she's in her earth seat. Um, place and nope. he's just like <laughs> you know as bad as things are we haven't even hit the bottom yet starvation disease drug damage and the mob rule have only begun and he's just going on and on as you said earlier and uh she's like that might be a, a a hopeful sign or perhaps it's only more evidence of what i said we haven't hit the bottom yet he's just he's just going on about this but i don't i don't know god has changed works for me Yes. Um, that's kind of the point of it. Yes. It's not a it's not a running away from chaos. It's actually uh no running towards and shaping chaos. Yes. And understanding um that you you cannot you cannot like inactivate yourself in the reality of where you are. That's right. That's right. And 
I feel like that's fundamentally, we see her sharpening herself against his steel, you know, that's like, Mm -hmm. I see you, I understand you, I respect you in a way that maybe you don't even respect me, but I offer up my thoughts um, and I'm not going to apologize for those. You know, I feel like she's so clear here and it's so comforting, you know, not comforting and they're like, everything's going to be fine, but comforting. It's like, everything will change everything will change. And yes, some of these changes are going to be very difficult and everything will continue changing. And I love the dynamic between the two of them around this, that it's not just a like, well, we found each other and we agree on everything. And like, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's much more interesting to me that it feels like a real, a real dynamic, you know, where it's like, these are two human beings with wildly different life stories who are, finding a way to weave together life and and be leaders of a small community because really the two of them are at the heart center of it and Mm -hmm. that they have this distinct differences around massive things but still keep leaning on each other's backs as it were so it shows the uh the beautiful importance of of having uh, multiple practices yes you know because their practices are are and it's the nuance it's the in inside and it's the in between it's the mm-hmm. you know it's the the waking hour work it's the it's it's all of these things and that big over you know we agree on this one thing yeah. which it sometimes doesn't just agreeing on that one time doesn't one thing doesn't agree doesn't um surface the substance of it yeah. you know you know it's kind of like um where we say queer yes and <laughs> people are always like yeah. what is that like yeah, what does so that mean yeah. Yeah, what do you mean? There's so much going on. It's a complex and 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 really um are we not saying we want you to acknowledge and accept everything yes. that is possible even if you don't understand it or even if you don't have the right language around it. We're just mm-hmm. we're like saying we are here. Yes. And um so much is happening in Earthseed and if you can sometimes honor people by saying mm-hmm. and acknowledging you know, their song, Yeah, you know, that's right. then that's, that doesn't mean you give up everything of yourself. It means actually you pour into what someone else has said. This is a way for me to go. I love it. So I have a lot of questions for this chapter. Not too many. I feel like the questions for this chapter are a little bit mm, tilt on the heavier side rather than the, you know, high numbers. So we're basically you know, I like to step back and be like, okay, we're halfway through the content that Octavia actually gave us around the parables. And we are one third of the content that she had had in her imagination as she was moving through this, right? Is this was supposed to be a trilogy? And so she had some concept of it being this. So at this point in the narrative, what values do you notice are shared amongst the group and what values differ, right? Like mm-hmm. name them, list them, like really write out what you can see and what you can understand. And then if you're reading this in a group or if you want to invite a group into this, or if you're in a pod yourself or in a community yourself, have that conversation in your group. What are the values that you know you all explicitly share? And what are the things where you differ? And like, let that be known, let it be clear, let it be plain, right? Actually Mm. sit with that. The second question I hold for this one is who carries the seeds in your community? And 
This is the first. I made a few that were like literally and figuratively questions, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, I think of the black farmers. I think of the Leah Penniman and the Dara Coopers. And, soul you know, fire. the Soul Fire, all the folks who are like building, building dirt on their hands, dirt in the ground, gardening, you know, carrying the seeds. But then I also think of all the people who are moving the seeds of ideas, moving the seeds, the concept, the conceptual seeds of community. And I think that that's such a valuable role, the sower. And this book mm-hmm. is about the sower. So who are your sowers? Yeah. Then, oh, actually, Toshi, do you see yourself as a sower? You know, I never would have said that, but... Um... People have told me I am, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I kind of, I kind of feel it. I definitely have the idea in my mind of, especially in the artist communities that I've contributed to, is to, to seed something that I actually not in charge of its of its growth. I can kind of like tend to it, yeah, and then you then you see it get bigger than you are, which I love. I love so many different artists that, you know, I feel like I have supported and in an early stage and I can now I look at them and go oh my god (laughs) so beautiful and so brilliant and then kind of come around and boss me around come back to me and they're like you know what you need to do (laughs) these said well she's like I need you to have better pictures (laughs) that's great that's great okay take them mama yes that's wonderful (laughs) I love that I love that Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I love the idea that every community needs a sower or multiple sowers. Multiple. And the, and the particular work of the sower. So I feel like you are, I just have to say that I, I can't mm. go anywhere and, you know, and I mean, I'm talking like chilling or, you know, some of my professional work and my fellowships. I speak to so many faculty members and heads of programs and cultural workers and I mean and your uh, emergent strategy has exceeded the ability for multiple kinds of people to have language mm. around something that they were, they were trying to initiate or be a part of and they didn't have language for it before it's been completely a, a transformative gift to people who are trying to be in collaborative spaces mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. across the board, it's yeah. I don't really have the full language for it, but it's been it's incredible. really been remarkable because it feels like being like farmers almanac, almanac yes. or whatever. You know, like where I'm like, I don't <laughs> like. I'm still cultivating my little baby green thumb with my plants yeah. here, but <laughs> I I do know like whenever I see a dandelion, I blow. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I feel like yes. that, like emergent strategy, that. is like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and the ideas are so rich because they are the ideas of the universe. Like the universe, these are the ideas that the universe put forward. Is right. change is constant. You will depend on each other, and um, you will get in right relationship, or you will not survive as a species. So, those are very compelling ideas, <laughs> and we all have to blow mm-hmm. them. And I think the sower, it's such a humble work actually to just be like I. I can't control the sun, the wind, the rain. I can't control necessarily the soil that I'm given to start with. Um, That's right. But I will plant faithfully. And so I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that we have the song of the sower to to help us in these moments. Um, yes. And then, you know, the other literally, literally and figuratively question I have is, what structures do you know how to build? 
What structures do you know how to build? If you came across a place that had, was land but had no structures on it, would you know how to create uh, something there that could weather the storm, that could handle the changing, you know, blasting of the sun and right, right the changing climate that you're in? And that is another literally and figuratively one because there's both like who knows how to build a house, <laughs> who knows how to make a bed, who knows how to build a yeah. kitchen table. Um, I want to have those people in my community. And part of the work, I think, of those of us who are facilitators or people who become executive directors or organizational development consultants, they're all those people, they're structural, figurative structure. You know, they're like, oh, I can see the mm-hmm. structure of humans that needs to happen here. And there's structures that allow us to be in right relationship with each other. And mm-hmm. who in your community is helping you to build and hold those structures? Right. And then this question I asked earlier, but it was part of the questions. I wanted to say it one more time is how do you know when to stay and when to go? Mm. How do you know when to stay and when to go? I think a lot of us have been in this thought process for the past year, um, uh, almost year, nine months now. And I think we will continue to be in this question. And then the last two questions, you know, this community, more and more we understand it to be centered around grief. These are all people who have lost someone along the way, uh, lost some ones along the way. So how do you and your community make space for grief? How do you center your relationship to death and being in right relationship Mm -hmm. to death and mortality, understanding that it is the guarantee that everyone has is that we will face our own deaths and we will um, lose, you know, everyone that we know, everyone that we love will go at some point. So mm-hmm. what is the way we orient ourselves towards the inevitable work of grief and making sure it has the right location in our communities? And I feel like this has been such a gift over this past, I'd say, five years of my life is I think I used to try to really keep grief and death on the edges. Like even when I was going through it, I was trying to push it to the edge of my life. Mm -hmm. This is not my life. That is a horrible crisis. And I'm going to somehow get past this. And, you know, several deaths in the community, starting with my grandfather's death, you know, for this phase of my adult life, my grandfather's death, and then deaths in the community of people that I loved was close to that were close to people I loved, um, coming closer and closer and closer. Now I feel like I am in spiritual community that is centered around the fact that we share grief and joy, grief mm. and joy. And I, there's there's no community or relationship I want to be in that cannot handle mortality. Right. Yeah. That's that's such a great question. And especially now where it's, it seems grief is very, very um, accessible considering the circumstances that we're in. Yeah. I also like want to remember yes. people like I don't yes. want to be like I'm so overwhelmed by, you know, I think social media really shifted it because I used to never know. I One, I don't know all of these people. Yeah. And two, so to, to have like to just kind of turn on social media and get like, you know, sometimes very incomplete, like. You know, I can't believe this happened. I'll miss you so much in a picture. And yes, like, yes, and you're like, yes. oh, oh, and, you know, just starting to get like um, so much more information about people's lives and the people that, you know, 
Like I remember there was a time like I people in my community, I wouldn't know about their cousins dying. They're yeah. just person like I would just exactly. they, you know, something happened to their mom. Exactly. Like, you know, that would be a big thing. And now you really you, know. you have an opportunity to acknowledge a, a family, um, acknowledge, you know, the friendships and I think in the artist community, the in deep collaborations that like, especially around um, people, you know, past like 30 and 40 and 50 have relationships with artists that they've had for 10, 15, yes. 20, 25, 30 years. COVID really, really just you took so many of these people. And it was like, I wanted to remember, I wanted to like write down people's names. I wrote yes. people's names down and I just didn't want to be like, I can't absorb. And I was like, you can absorb. Like you, can you, you actually can, you can handle this. Can like handle it's actually this. happening yeah. and you can hold, you can hold this. Yeah. And I love what you're saying, writing the names. I am also creating containers in that way where I have a list by my desk of people who are sick and need my attention, need my uplifting. And then I have mm-hmm. a list in my ancestor altar of people who have passed. And mm-hmm. that way it's like, it's been written and the space is always held for them. The candles are lit for them. The care is offered for them. And I think, yeah, this feels like the next frontier for us as a, a larger society is like orienting, not just towards fighting against death, but welcoming, understanding that it is part of, part of this life. It's cycle. a part of our journey. Such sweet love that people have for their people. It's the best. I mean, it's, it's really it's the a, reason we're here is to love. This is the divine, most sweetest thing. And you really do, you know, want to, um, you know, give something to that water that people have around their people. It's just, yes. even I remember reading, you know, um, some narratives of like some, some, some 19th century, um, you know, post-slavery people and they remembered their people that got taken from them absolutely you know and they were able to say like you know this happened here and this happened then and then they were gone we just 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 opening up to to who we really are well and this this is that piece and i think this leads into my final question which is you know that line the universe is god's self-portrait And Mm. we are all of the universe. And so each one of us is God's self-portrait. And each of the people we love is God's self-portrait. And the Mm. actual feeling between us is God's self-portrait. And the feeling we have for the land that we love is God's self-portrait. Like the ties, the structures, the fuckery, it's all part of it. It's all the divine. Mm. And so that final question I have is how do you look at God? How do you look at God? Mm. Mm-hmm. I want to read the last Please do. couple of lines. So today we remembered the friends, the family members we've lost. We spoke our individual memories and quoted Bible passages, earth seed verses, and bits of songs and poems that were favorites of the living or the dead. Then we buried our dead and we planted oak trees. Afterward, we sat together and talked and ate a meal and decided to call this place Acorn. A sower went out to sow her seed. 
Oh 
so here we are. That is The Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler, the prophet goddess. And this has been um, an incredible journey. <laughs> I'm so grateful <laughs> I got to take it with you, Toshi, through this first uh. book. Um, so I'm Adrian Marie Brown and Toshi Regan. Uh, we co-host this. It is produced by Kat Aaron and our show art is by Krista Franklin. And the music, um, oh, we're going to have music. So, so music. we're going <laughs> to. Smorgasbord. <laughs> <Marcus, laughs> everything, all the music. <laughs> uh, Always See the Stars is written by Toshi Regan and performed by Toshi Regan. Um, There's a New World Coming is written by Bernice Johnson Regan with additional lyrics by Toshi Regan, performed by the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower, actually in Memorial Hall in oh, Chapel wow. Hill, North Carolina, yes. with, <laughs> with lead vocals by Shana Small. And I will add the song Sower, mm. um, which my mother wrote, um, which will also be performed by um, the cast of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower. Thank and God I am so grateful for you, Adrian Marie Brown. So grateful for know. you, my friend. Um, mm. What a gift we have been able to give each other with this. It just feels like we're it's having awesome. the best time of our lives. Um, you can find us on Twitter at O Parables. You can sustain this show by becoming a patron at patreon.com backslash O Parables. We are so grateful you have been on the journey with us thus far. We will be back again in February. Tell your friends, you know, they're not behind. They have two months to read and listen and catch up and join us. Keep joining us. Keep telling everyone about it. Um, we all need this text right now. We all need it. Yeah. All right. So be it. See to it. So be it. See to it.